Hello, everyone, and welcome to the W2 Amigos podcast, where we talk about passive investing, real estate, and all the money moves you can make while working your W2 so you can establish your financial freedom. Here to talk about the W2 journeys, your hosts and amigos, Nick Coulter and Xavier Marin. Nick, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Fun fact, I'm recording the first episode I think I've ever, and hopefully the last episode I'll be in New Jersey for. Actually, we'll record tomorrow, but I'm on uh, in a work trip right now in New Jersey, enjoying doing some learning, starting up a building, doing all that fun stuff. So it's exciting. I hate traveling for work, if I'm being honest with you, because it really throws me off my routine. Luckily, there's an LA Fitness out here, so I was able to get some workout in, but ultimately, man, it's just not for me. It's also hard to eat clean too, so I'm really struggling with that. But you know, other than that, we're chilling, man. How are you doing? Dude, that's my biggest challenge when I travel to work is eating clean because mm-hmm. you can get away with not going to the gym as long as you can kind of maintain your calories and like well, how you're eating. But it's so easy with a siphon just be like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and uh, throw an extra patty on that burger or let me get an extra <laughs> set of fries. So I feel yep. like, man. Dude, yeah, uh, it's the appetizers for sure. Get me. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm doing all right, man. So ever since joining that mastermind, it's been what, like a week over the weekend, I went through almost three weeks worth of content that they have on there. So I'm just kind of drinking out of fire hose right now. So really cool to be absorbing all that. Also, I'm up to 16 miles so far in the last seven days that I've ran or so. So I'm just uh, still going with it. <laughs> we'll see. I have to rehab my knee a little bit. I was uh, I went out with some buddies to go watch the college football game on Monday and there's still ice on the sidewalk. So, you know, I was walking to my car and, um, you know, right in front of somebody that's in the gym, I just ate it hardcore. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had the keys and my wallet in my hand and Wee. it was just like, you know what you say? Big guy falls hard. Big oh, tree yeah. fall hard, bro. Big tree fall hard. So tree uh, fall hard. I, I, I caught myself, but not with not before like hitting my left knee on the pavement. So it is. What it, it's it's always something, man. When I'm going towards like either running or working, like there's always something that happens. So I feel like in every time we discuss a fitness goal, I'm just gonna have to rub you in bubble wrap now. <laughs> Like, or, don't do anything stupid. I'm going to wrap you in bubble wrap for two days. Dude, or just factory being like, okay, so we know X is going to be Angel for two to three weeks. So let's go ahead and build that into the workout program. <laughs> yeah, we're building a 12-week program, but we'll do a three-week pause in the middle of it so you can get hurt. You know? yeah. Oh, I pulled my bicep lifting up a groom at a wedding because I was a drug. <laughs> oh. Real story, folks. Real story. Very real stupid. Story. Real yeah, story. man. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, Dick, what are we going to be talking about today? We're definitely going to talk about uh, doing that stupid stuff. So, God, I hope we would be. Um, actually, we're, so we're talking a little bit about budgets today. I was having a meeting with a client, and I was also giving some advice to a coworker, and they both were the same exact piece of advice. A client of mine wanted to save up money for a down payment so they could buy a house hack. They didn't have what they needed because of some pretty bad spending habits, even though they make a lot of money. And then I had a, co- a coworker of mine getting married soon, and she was asking me about what do you and your wife do for financial budgeting? And it was interesting because this is why I love the, the personal finance realm. My peer, so my exact partner, was giving the same exact advice I had just given like an hour later. So like the the person asked me for uh, support, like my coworker, and I was like, oh, you know, do this, do this, this, blah, 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 blah. So how I separated up with my wife, this and the other. And then my partner came in and said the exact same thing an hour later, which is awesome because he's not like big into investing, uh, but he's a very savvy W-2 employee that tucks away what he needs to, but lives a very nice life with his wife and his kids. So it was just cool to hear that. And I want to discuss it because both parties both highly intelligent, highly educated, make a lot of money. We're like, oh, damn, I've never heard of that kind of stuff before. So I think that's something interesting um, that we can cover. And then we were kind of talking about what we wanted to discuss on the podcast next. And I stumbled across this article on Clever Girl Finance. So we'll probably be able to link that blog post. But 
she does a really nice job just highlighting the different budget tools and methods you can use. So just kind of want to shout her out and then just talk about it a little bit so that uh, hopefully our listeners can use this as a tool for their 2023 goals because a lot of them, I'm sure, are financial if they're listening to the show. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely excited to talk about this a little bit more, especially going into the new year. I think it's a great time to take a look at this. Sometimes, you know, we shouldn't be waiting until the start of something to do it, but I think this is a great timing just going into the, the first month of the year. So Nick, where do you want to start off? Yeah. So I'd want to start off with like a disclaimer for everybody. Personal finance is definitely personal. So I think X and I are prime examples of that. If I told X that he was not going to be able to do certain things, like go out a little bit more and maybe spend a little bit more money on maybe a meal or a glass of wine or something like that, it wouldn't really work, right? But X doesn't really need to buy a lot of clothes. He's not a super fancy guy in that terms. Now, if you were to tell me I couldn't wear Lululemon anymore and I had to sell all my shit, I'd be pissed. But obviously you were like, hey, you can't really go out to the bar uh, to grab a glass of wine with your wife. I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. I don't really like her that much anyway. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Evelyn. Um, <laughs> but that's not really my thing, right? So this this is personal. And I say that like, we're going to talk about a couple different strategies. We'll probably highlight what works best for us, but just do what you think is best. We're really just talking about this to try to hopefully like kind of get your creative juices flowing on what you would want to do to save a little bit of money. Yep, absolutely. Cool, man. Do you want to start off with the the 50-30-20 budgeting system? Yeah. So essentially what the 50-30-20 budgeting system talks about is allocating about 50% of your budget towards things like your housing, insurance, your transportation. So essentially a lot of the things that are going to be fixed or things that you're you're usually spending um, on a monthly basis. The 30% of that is going to be going towards things that you want. You know, you're thinking about shopping, thinking about travel, Think about eating out. So things that aren't necessarily fixed, you can kind of see it more as like things that vary month to month. And finally, the last piece is the 20% towards saving and debt. So essentially, this is more like a rule of thumb. It is very popular to kind of follow this concept. However, I, I think for those that choose to have to be very mindful of really if it applies for you. If you're someone that has quite a bit of debt that you're looking to pay off, like 20% may not be the amount that you want to allocate towards that. You may want to go ahead and allocate 30 or 40%. So what does that mean? You know, maybe your 50% for your fixed expenses you know, becomes 40%. Maybe you don't get that nice apartment complex. Maybe you don't have that high car payment. You lower that piece to go towards that. Maybe you don't go out a whole lot. So that 30% maybe becomes 25, maybe 20%. So essentially it's a rule of thumb and you just kind of adjust based off of what makes sense for your personal life. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think this is a great budgeting tool for someone that makes a decent income that doesn't have a ton of fixed debt, might have a car payment, might have a mortgage, but doesn't have like a lot of reoccurring debt, especially not like great reoccurring debt. So this is what I'd say. I'd say try it, right? And I think that I'd like this as an introductory budget tool because it kind of forces you to bucket into the three essential things. What do I need? What do I want? And what can I save? And if you can really kind of stick to those budgets, it'll allow you to you know, pay yourself that 20% uh, at the end of every single month. Now, what I will say, the reason I really like this is it brings a lot of transparency to your spending. And you really have to decide like, what is a 50% need cost, right? It says such as housing, insurance, transportation. I would argue food goes into there, but does eating out at In-N-Out go in there? Or does just my grocery bill go in there? It's probably my grocery bill. And does it 
include just my very simple proteins, carbs, and fats? Or is it the hot Cheetos that I want to get and the six pack of beer that may be in there? So those are different things. You kind of almost have to separate out those categories, even though food is a subcategory, it might might need to be separated out a little bit uh, even further that so you can make sure that you're really utilizing it appropriately. I use a little bit more of a complex system than this, but I think this is a good place to start. What I would love to see people do, and I think you know where I'm going with this X, I would love you to do the inverse. I would love to see you spend 20% on your needs, such as housing, insurance, and transportation, because you're going to house hack and cover most of your expenses on living. I want you to buy a cheap POS car so that you can drive something cheap and not pay a lot in transportation. So 20% goes there. 30% goes to your wants and needs, still the amount, but then 50% goes to savings and investing. And I think that would be a better strategy. Uh, But that was just my selfish, shameless plug for a house hack, if, uh, if you're okay with that. I did not see that coming. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> when I read the article, I was like, oh, that's the first thing I'm going to say when we get to there. I want this, but I want to inverse it. Because uh, you know you know what they say about housing. It's just the highest expense for the average American household. So, Yeah, by the way, that was sarcasm. I'm oh, you did. Jeez, oh, I am tired, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, tired. guys. Yeah, I have had a long day. So <laughs> I'm way off my game. X had a hilarious joke earlier, and I totally missed it before we recorded. He was very upset with me. So <laughs> I know. I just wasted a good joke on you. <laughs> I know. It won't be the last time. <laughs> All right. What's the next strategy? Yeah. So I, I thought this one was interesting. Uh, it's called the, she's calling it in the clever girl finance, she's calling it the zero based budget. And I have always thought of this as more of like giving a job to every dollar, but that's essentially what it is. Like you budget your categories until you have $0 left. So for example, if you're making $5,000 a month and you have 15 going to housing, 500 to car and transportation, 500 to food, you would take that $2,500 that's remaining and then break it down. So you might do like 500 in savings, 150 in HSA, 150. You would give it a job. Every dollar gets a job until you get down to zero, uh, which I thought was interesting because, you know, I'm a huge proponent that if you just have excess and you have a bad spending habit, you're likely going to spend that money. When you do it this way, I've seen a lot of people, and this is a strategy I've used before. You, when you do it this way, you have a lot of people that uh, set up separate accounts to automate this for themselves, especially today's age when it's easier to set up, set up a bunch of checking accounts all in with one bank. And then all of their stuff gets separated out appropriately. And then they use those different checking accounts to pay their bills. And then it almost like pulls the money away from you. So then all you have to spend is what you originally thought you had for that category, um, which I think is cool. But I do really like the paying off every dollar to do a job. I would say this is pretty complicated though, because you have to have a really detailed budget and it probably means you've been budgeting for a while to get to this point. What do you think? So I personally use this strategy for zero-based budget mainly because, so I, I love spreadsheets and I essentially track my budget like yearly. So I have my budget set out for the year plus or minus a few things. So what I do is I go ahead and set my budget for the month and then I'm monitoring the spending through like mint.com, which we're going to get into as well. That way I'm able to see, all right, more or less, is there a variance at the end of the month? So, you know, next month in February, I'll take a look at how I did in January. What really, how I add a little bit more flexibility for my end is a lot of people like to, to the dollar, be like, okay, for going out, like going out for, you know, fast food or dining, I'm only going to spend, you know, $250. And then, you know, for groceries, I'm only going to do $150. So for me, I like to blanket it just food, 400, 500 bucks. 
Like that's my bucket. If I choose to eat out more one week than I do the other, that's on me. But I rather have that flexibility because sometimes I feel like people are can get a little bit stressed out being forced to just like, hey, I said only to spend this much amount for dining out, which really at the end of the month, if you end up spending a hundred bucks dining out, three hundred on groceries, like you're still within your budget limit. Yeah, I agree with you. I struggle with this one a little bit because it is so complicated. I try to like simplify it a little bit more for me, but it's because the pain in the butt for me is the tracking side. And I know you use Mint, right? Like I don't. So it's like I have to, I track all my stuff manually in an Excel sheet. So that might be a little bit more tough. You export your stuff from Mint, right? You export all your spending and then categorize it from there. So I view everything on Mint and then I just cross-reference it with what I have on my um, Microsoft Excel. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, I see. So you create the budget at the beginning of the year in Microsoft Excel and then you use Mint as your like... Real-time tracker. Yeah, your trust, yeah. but verify that you're getting that done. Yeah. Cool, man. I like that a lot. Do you find that your investment dollars grow over time in the strategy? Like you just like, oh, I have an extra thousand dollars coming in this month. I need to grow a budgeted line item for this variable income because you have a lot of variable income coming in through Airbnbs. They should. So right now, because essentially sometime last year, like 12 months ago before when I bought my first Airbnb or my last Airbnb, I went ahead and and leveraged one of my credit cards towards that Airbnb. So mm-hmm. really what I've been doing is I've been essentially budgeting to pay that off. So yeah, over time, this strategy is going to allow me to save more or to invest in other things. Right now, I'm essentially having to pay back those investments that I originally made. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. This next strategy I'm a huge fan of. It's in a very famous book, but it's in the pay yourself first method. So what do you think about this one, next? Uh, this one I find a little bit interesting. I personally haven't used this method before in the past. I've always kind of paid myself last in a way. Like I always take a look <laughs> at everything and then myself. So I personally haven't used this one. How about you? So I have, this is actually how I started and I referenced a book. So this is actually like in the rich dad, poor dad book. So he talks about paying yourself first and then leaving whatever is in left at the end of the day. And I think Robert Kiyosaki does a good job assuming that people have really bad habits and it's it's impossible to flip over like in an instant, just all of a sudden be a good budgeter and not spend a lot of money when you've been accustomed to that lifestyle for a while. So the thought is you pay yourself first. So I started doing this with 35% of my pay when we lived in Virginia. And I started doing it, I think it was like within the first month that we moved in together. It was right around the time I came to you and I was like, bro, bigger pockets. And you were like, bro, I already know. And so I, was, I read that book and that's what kind of like triggered that thought for me. So I started paying 35% to myself immediately and I would move it over to my savings account. And I did that for probably like six or seven months and that account grew so fast. And then we got our bonus around April and then it was like, way bigger than I've ever seen that amount of money saved before. And that's when we got in the position where we could have bought a down payment down there on a house and investment in Virginia. And I was just like really geeked up on the fact that, man, I was paying myself first. This is great. This is amazing. Um, But I found over the time of using it that it wasn't a great strategy when I needed to get more detailed. So for example, it was a very simple budgeting strategy because I had a car payment that I was paying off my truck. I didn't have a mortgage payment at the time. You know, we were splitting rent at that place that we were at. And um, it was pretty, I was a pretty cheap lifestyle. So I had like bars and stuff like that. So it was good because then I removed the 35%. I put it into a separate account that I couldn't draw access to, which I think is important for most people. But I then was like, oh, okay, I have X amount of money for the whole month or the, the next two weeks. So I can spend that. And I know if I go to the bar with it, it's fine because I'm going to get check and everything like that. And I have 35% that's gone away. Uh, but then when I just was trying to make more intelligent decisions, like paying off my car debt, paying off my student loan debt, those different types of decisions, it was actually more difficult because that money was tucked away at a place that was very difficult to access. So I'd have to be making like 
giant $7,000 chunk payments. Um, and my student loans were comprised of a bunch of smaller loans. So I think I had like 15 smaller loans ranging in total amount when I started paying them off like $1,000 to like 6,500. So what I did is I like saved up until I had enough of that 6,500 to pay off that first loan and just like wiped it out because I didn't want to have to keep centering up these wire transfers, these different accounts to then start to pay them down. And so I don't know, that strategy to me was a little difficult and I probably could have paid off debt a little bit faster had I done more so the zero based budget where like, hey, this dollar is going to go to this loan. This dollar is going to get this loan. I can set it all up on the front end. But it was really nice because it was a really simple, easy start to budgeting because I wasn't budgeting at all before this. I spent every single dollar that I made. And I think I had like 1300 bucks in my savings account when we moved into that apartment together. And it just obviously wasn't the greatest play for me to keep keep doing that. We were making good money, man. I was just blowing that stuff on nothing. Yeah. It's so easy to just get lost in some of that. And to your point, I think paying yourself first, it can be a good strategy, but it really depends on, it really depends on when you're at. To your point, mm-hmm. if it's hard to access some of that money, like they, that might not be the route for you to kind of right. go after that. Yeah, I think so. So when, when you say like the pay yourself first too, I also look at it from the fact that it's got to go into an account that you can't touch. If you're paying yourself first, it can't just be like sitting in your savings account, in your Citibank account, and you can just transfer it back to your checking whatever you want. Like if you're not disciplined to keep it separate, just move it to an account you don't have access to. I just moved it to an account that I opened up that I literally could not get a debit card to. So that really helped me out. That's what I would say. That'd be another one that I would, uh, that I would suggest to folks. So what really has helped me out, and I've used this method for maybe 12, no, wait, what is it, 2013? So I've used this method for about 10 years now. So, you know, we get paid every two weeks. So back in college, I would get one paycheck in the first every month. That's how I would get paid when I was working in school. So I had, I essentially had a one lumps up of cash and I had to make everything work for that month. I never really got used to having a paycheck every two weeks. It was all monthly. So mm-hmm. when I finally got, when it transitioned to full-time with my career, what I did was I started using, so for example, this month, the bills that all the money that I used to pay for my bills in January were my paychecks in December. So everything that I pay for February is my paychecks in January. Like I'm essentially always a month ahead because mm. I just, I'm the kind of person that I just need to take care of everything within the first week of the month and be done with it. That helps me from a tracking perspective versus having to, all right, now you have a credit card payment due the 17th of the month, then you have electricity due the, you know, the 10th. I just pay everything the first week just to be done with it. Mm, it makes sense. That works. Kind of wipes it out for you. It's almost like you're doing it automatically. Oh. So maybe you were paying yourself first. <laughs> I, I guess so. Uh, what's well, our next one, man? The envelope system. So I think this is the one that Dave Ramsey coined, right? The envelope Super system. Super popular. Hell yeah. Very popular controversial overall with some of his thought process at times, but I think they work well depending on where you're at within your life. You know, if you're yep. someone that's like aggressively into debt and try to get out of it, like some of his concepts really do work. This one in particular talks about essentially using a strategy where you have an envelope for each category. So pretty much we've been talking about how you're going to budget. This is more realistic where you're actually putting money in an envelope for each category and that's what you're spending for the month. And then once you no longer have money for that category in your envelope, that's it. Technically, you have no more money for it, and that's where you're at. And I think this can be a really good strategy to use for those that are aggressively trying to pay out debt and probably find themselves, you know, probably using credit card a little bit too much or, um, you know, using other different strategies to kind of fund their life. Because really, at the end of the day, sometimes you need to see the money disappear. You need to see it go away for you to start taking more action versus just swiping, thinking, hey, I have a little bit of cash. So I don't know if it's like the ADHD in me or what. 
but I've tried all of these things, I feel like. Um, so the envelope system I did for a little while and it really helped me because I think I like came to a budget of like, oh, I have $300 a week for like gas, food, everything. And I did a hundred dollar bill, two fifties and the rest in twenties. You know how hard it was for me emotionally to break that hundred dollar bill? It was so freaking difficult to break that $100 bill, man. I was like, what? I have to break a $100 bill. I don't want to do that shit. I don't need these monsters that bad. I'm out of here. <laughs> like, leave. And then also, little known hack, not a lot of places will even take a $100 bill anymore. Yeah. So you can't even break it if you wanted to, which then would help me because when I went to go pull out money from my next envelope, because the envelope system is like you pull out envelopes for the month, the quarter, the year, or whatever. I would do it weekly. And my goal was to always have a little bit of extra money in my envelope. So like I'd only have to pull out 280 or 200 the next week. And I found that having that $100 bill made me not want to spend it ever, basically. I was like terrified to drop the $100 bill and break it. And also your wallet gets like super chunky after you do that. And I hate that stuff. But this is a strategy my coworker uses actively. So him and his wife have been using it. And the year and a half that they did it living in their apartment, they were able to save up, I think it was like 15% down payment on their house that they bought as a new build. And since they've done that decision, that house has appreciated like $280,000 in value. So just making one budgeting decision with his wife for that period of time has turned into a $300,000 investment basically, because he's been able to earn that equity over that time. So I think it's like, it's really important to just stick with works for you. But it's interesting. I know I'm kind of rambling on this point, but I really like the system because it goes back to my point earlier of like personal finance being personal. My coworker, my, my partner, he tried to do it with a debit card. And he's old school. He tells me he's an old man, even though he's only like seven years older than me. He's like, it's an old man's game. I'm playing old man's game. Those debit cards are young man's game. And he will not swipe the card because he's like, it's not real money. He's like, in my mind, I can't realize that it's money that I'm spending. I need to hand over the cash. I'm like, bro, you're 38 years old. You're not that old. But I understand what you're saying. Like, whatever you think is the best for you is going to work. And his his wife, he says, is like kind of so-so on it. But like, she stuck to it. And they've done super well with their savings over that time. Yeah, it's funny. So my the strategy that I'm using is I, I'm actually swiping the debit card. I'm no longer swiping the credit card right now. Because again, I'm trying to pay off some of this debt. So for me, it's... I need to see it hit my account. Like I need to see my checking account balance start going lower. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I don't buy that thing I did not need on Amazon. Or maybe I could just wait next month or wh whatever that, like actually try to plan out your purchases versus like the impulse buying of just like, hey, you know what? It's, I'm just going to swipe it and I'm going to end up paying it off. But you say that and next thing you know, guess what? Now you have a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars in your credit card. But you're like, oh my God, all I wanted was these Lululemon pants and I was just going to swipe it. But you know, didn't work out that way. Yeah, I've, I've seen this strategy work really well for folks that struggle with the initial set of discipline, like the initial amount of discipline it takes to do something like that. They struggle with a little bit. And then after they get through there, they're good to go. Yep. All right, man. So what's our last topic? So we're going to talk about some of these budgeting apps that they have listed here. So I've used so many budgeting apps and they're good in theory. Again, it all depends on what you're going after. Like I use mint.com. I've heard good things and bad things about it. Sometimes it has too much information, too much to navigate where it can be overwhelming for someone that's just beginning, you know, their budgeting journey. So that might not be a good one. I've used, do you need a budget? That one works pretty well. Personal capital, that one kind of tracks all your transactions, also tracks your net worth for like a more holistic view than every dollar. I personally haven't used every dollar. 
and I finally figured out like a combination of mint.com plus my own personal tracking is really what works best for me. So I would say if those that, you know, are looking for some resources, you know, check out some of those apps, go ahead. Some of these things, sometimes they offer like free trials. Some of them are, you know, free mint.com is free. A lot of these are free. Sometimes you have to pay to unlock certain features. Give them a shot. See what works out well for you. Yeah, I've, I've downloaded personal capital and mint and I think they probably would work great. But I have a really nasty habit of just like not going on them on my phone. And I put them in like my budgeting little like subtext in my iPhone. I'm like, nah, dude, I'm not going to that page. page depresses the hell out of me. I don't want to spend. I'm going to Instagram. <laughs> you know what you should do? Put it on your habit tracker. That is true. That is true. I, so I, I see your check and I will checkmate you with my boomer side. I don't do that. I write that shit down in a book that I carry around with me. And then Evelyn and I go in on Sundays right now and we literally put it into an Excel sheet, like a, just a running document week to week. And then it like totals up for the month and we can see exactly how much we spent. And we compare that to our yearly budget that we sent up at the beginning. So I literally carry around a notebook. It's like two hands over for me over here because I went to the gym today out of state and I learned that my California gym membership only exists in California. So the LA Fitness I had to go, I had to pay $10 out here. So I had to write that shit down in the book. This is the funny thing. I tried to sneak in because yesterday the guy let me in because he felt bad. And then today there was a different girl in front of me. She wasn't, I tried to charm her, you know, flash the pretty blue eyes, give her a little smile. She wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't with it. You didn't show her the new tats too? That didn't help? No, nah, I had the, it was cold, you know, it's like 41 degrees. So I had it. Had, had the sweater. 41 on. degrees. Come on, bro. I'm from California. <laughs> Shit's cold as hell. Yeah, but the dude was the homie. He hooked it up. So LA Fitness and wherever the hell I am in, in New Jersey, bro, you're the homie. I appreciate you. I'm sure you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. Well, hey, man, one last piece that I want to add is, again, like we shared, personal finance is personal. There's so many resources out there, so many tools. I've played around with so many of them that I now know what works best for me. I recommend our listeners to do the same. I will share, we're not sponsored by Ally Bank or anything, but I use Ally Bank for my savings. And one of the things that I absolutely love about Ally Bank's savings functionality is you're essentially within, instead of opening several savings accounts, several checking accounts, Ally Bank has a function under the savings account where you're allowed to bucket up to 10 different categories within your savings. So right there, I have things like, you know, vacation, things like emergency spending, whatever, whatever the buckets that you would like to go ahead and save up for, like that's a great resource to have. And definitely it makes budgeting a little bit better and almost a little bit more fun because you get to see, because if you see, if you have a savings account and it's like, okay, you have $2,000 in a savings account, but within those $2,000, you have, Hey, you already saved up 500 towards your vacation. 300s towards a new car, 100 towards whatever, like then you're like, okay, it motivates you to keep that going because you're seeing that number increase in your category. So something that's worth checking out if that's something that would interest you guys. Yeah. And I would tell you like for you, that's the motivation, right? Like for me, my motivation is tracking my net worth. I just track it on paper and pen. Like, and I do it every couple of weeks when I could see a significant rise, right? Maybe a couple months, I see a significant rise, whatever motivates you and whatever starts to become fun, right? Because when a thousand dollars turns into $10,000 in your bank account, that feels fun. It feels good. It makes you feel secure. You may sleep a little better at night. You may be less mad at your boss for giving you feedback. You know, you might, you might not be worried about the tires you got to replace in your car, all that kind of stuff. So whatever is going to make it fun, whatever you're going to enjoy, stick to it. And I think that's where the personal finance aspect is extremely important. The last thing I'll leave you guys with before the sign out is we got all this information from a very great website called clevergirlfinance.com. Please go check uh, their pages out. They have 100% free information and courses. We're not sponsored in any way. They don't know that we exist. 
we finally found out they exist. So we just like, you know, give them a shout out because they had some really great information on a blog we wanted to share. But with that, folks, we are your W2 Amigos. So we wanted to make sure that we connected with you guys on some budgeting tips. Please share this with a friend or family member that might need that help getting their budget under control for the new year so they can hit their financial goals. We'd also appreciate if you guys give us a listen, leave us an honest review on whatever podcast format you're using. Try to hit us up. We're super active on social media, on Instagram and on TikTok at the W2Amigos. Same thing with YouTube. If you're trying to hit me up in the local real estate market in California or get any house hacking advice, you know where to find me. I'm at the five family on Instagram and TikTok. X, what about you? Yep. You guys can find me on Instagram at TikTok at Xavier Marin underscore. We will talk to you guys soon. Peace.